I don't want us to miss this. Listen to how important you are to God. Even before He made the world, God loved us and He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. God wants to be in relationship with us. Okay, now we can go to the... There we go. They're moving very fast upstairs, I want you to know. I am in awe that God wants to be in relationship with us. I, I mentioned a few weeks ago when I became a Christian, I was really not a, really not a likely candidate to become a Christian. Oh, I might have been a likely candidate for some other institutions, but not the institution of the church. And in that moment of responding to his call, I knew that I had been adopted into his family. I was, I was sure I, it was confirmed in me that, that the Holy Spirit who was outside was now inside of me. How did that happen? Well, why did that happen? It happened because God wants to be in relationship with us. And it is the profound, life-changing, redemptive work in Jesus Christ that changes our life in a moment and it changes it for all eternity. Well, how do we know that God wants to be in relationship with us? Who, who is this God? This God is a real God. A real God. This God is such a real God, don't, don't try to make an image of him. Because he, he is a dynamic God, a relational God. I, I heard it again, us flying home on uh, late, late Friday night, and I heard somebody say it again. Well, you just need to give it up to the universe. The universe will answer. And I wanted to jump out of my seat and say, wait a second. If the universe responds to you, then that means the universe has personality. And the universe doesn't really have personality. The universe, the character it has, it has it because God has given it to the universe, to the world that he's created. We know God is real... Profoundly, I think, for two reasons. Number one, we have a history of God acting in our world, acting in the lives of people. And that's not just some Old Testament thing. That's not just something that happened in the New Testament or in the early church. It is still happening today. God is moving and God is working. And we can see that. We, we can read that and understand that, that, that our God is a God of history. He is not far off and uncaring, just the opposite. He is very present, and He loves us. 
And then the, the other big uh, perspective is, is that we, we feel that God is real inside of us in our very own lives. I, I had a dinner with someone the other night and, and the conversation turned to this issue. The, there was a little bit of a debate And part of, my, uh, part of my conversation was about this very point. No, God is very real. He is a God of history. Just read the history. And you can make some challenges to the history of the Old Testament because some of it has not been proven yet or supported yet by archaeology. It doesn't have much bandwidth in, in the history of the, of the day, but when you get to the early church, things had advanced a lot. And so we have very good historical data. And then I, I challenge them, yet, yet that being true, the most profound thing is that you can feel God's presence, God's power, and God's peace personally. And for that to happen, all you have to do is respond to God's call in your life. Why? Because he decided a long time ago. <laughs> the only people that need to decide are us. So God is a, a, a real personality, a real, a real being. Number two, God is revealed. God has revealed himself in creation I woke up the other morning, and, and uh, we have some very long, wide windows that are, uh, uh, they run at a, a long slant on the south side of our house, and I woke up early, and I got my coffee, and I was getting ready to spend some time with God, and then I looked up at what was happening on those windows, and it was an amazing, intricate pattern of frost. And what was cool, it was only there for a couple of minutes, and I, I did get a, a picture of it, and I should be showing it to you, uh, but I was out of town and didn't get that done. But it was cool, and I looked at that with great what? Ah! Really, this, is, this beautiful pattern here in the frost, it, it's, it's by chance, it's by accident? Man, no way. And we know that. We know that God reveals himself in, in, in an awe experience in us through the creation that he's created. What he's, what he's brought to life uh, in life. Not, number two, we know that because of the truth of the Bible. Second uh, Timothy 3, 16. It's, in, it's inspired. It's inspired. What, what I love about the Bible is it's inspired, and, and we can all understand it. Some of you are saying, well, people can't. They don't really understand this. And I said, I took the Bible, put it in front of a bunch of junior high school students, and said, what do you think this means? And amazingly, they knew what it meant. Oh, they didn't know all the factual data about it. They didn't they didn't know where Galilee was, etc. But what Jesus was trying to say, even they understood the parables of Jesus. And then finally, he reveals himself in, in Jesus Christ. 
Jesus was God's son, as we talked about at Christmas time. He's the son of man, and he's the son of God. How he did that, I, I, I don't know. It's divine. It's miraculous. God is a relational God. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to be in relationship with us so badly that he sent his one and only son to be our sacrifice for our sins so that we could understand a little bit more who God was and understand that he loves us so much he would become a human being. Yeah, he did that because he wants to be in relationship with us. Right, John 3.16, he wants the whole world to know that he loves them. He was willing to die, not asking you to die. Not asking you to give your, uh, to give your physical life for him but just the opposite he was willing to die for the worshiper now this god is a great god we can know a great god here's a, a few things to know number one uh, our god is a trinity no the muslims are not right we don't have three gods we we have one God and, and three persons. How do we understand that? I gave you the example the last time we talked about this as an equilateral triangle. You've got to have three sides to have a triangle, right? And an equilateral triangle, all three sides are referenced by one another, are equal and interchangeable. And that's a pretty good example here, here's another one since you showed up this morning. I'll give you one more. Uh, I'm Scott. To you, I'm your pastor. To my wife, I'm her husband. And to my daughter, I'm her... Am I not the same person? I'm the same person. But yet, I, and we can't, we have to put this in quotes because then we move over to a thing called modalism and we don't want to be modalistic. There are three different roles that I play, yet I'm the same person. God is, God is three in one. Look at Matthew 28. Therefore go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There it is. It's the Trinity. If you look at the baptism of Jesus in Mark, you'll see the same thing, that, that, that the Father and the Holy Spirit were present at his baptism. Yes, God is Trinity. Number two, God is sovereign. What does it mean that God is sovereign? It, it, means that, it means that God is 
ultimately and supremely in control. He is the, he is the ultimate power in this world. And we can understand that as we look at a passage like this in, uh, in Psalm 90. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth, you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Yeah, He's the authority. He is the one that is ultimately in control. He is ultimately the power, the good power in this world, in our world. And so uh, an implication of that is God has the right, because he's a sovereign God, to set the rules out however he would like. Why? Because he's the supreme authority. He is in supreme control. And he is the supreme power. Now, why doesn't everything go the right way? Don't forget original sin. God's authority and sovereignty is far beyond original sin, yet that's where we find ourselves. Yeah. Third, God is moral. God is holy. God is compassionate. God is just in what he does. And he's loving. Surely your goodness and love, this is Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your goodness and your love will follow me. Well, sometimes we don't want it just following us. We want it up ahead, making a way. We want it to be our experience on a day-to-day basis. And God's grace and God's love, I believe, is, uh, is lavished upon us. We don't always see it. We, we don't always sense it. And that's why we need the the truth of God, the Bible, to remind us of these realities. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that does not cancel out the goodness and love of God. In fact, I believe that it magnifies His grace and His love. Yeah, God is, is holy, He's compassionate, His decision is just, and he is a a loving God. Finally, God is a, a God of grace, a good God. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. God because he is a gracious God, gives us what we need instead of what we deserve. Now, if that hasn't kind of like blown your mind, recalibrated you, indexed you, impacted you, well, you need to kind of stand back and take it all in. 
Really, he's going to be gracious to me. He's not going to make me feel continually uh, guilty and shameful of, of, uh, from what I've done wrong. Is he not keeping a list and checking it twice? No. No, that's not the God we worship. That is, that is not how God has is, is revealed himself and described himself in this word, just the opposite. He doesn't want to punish, up, punish us. He wants to liberate us. He wants, to, he wants us to, to be free over and against the challenges of living in a sin-marred, a sin-impacted world. And the more we know that, the more we experience that, the more we yield and surrender to his will, the more we will experience the grace of God. He is a gracious God. He is so gracious that what he does is he, he gathers us into his family. He adopts us as a child of God. Now, perhaps you've adopted a child and you know all the legal things that need to happen for that to occur. To occur. But when God adopts us, there, there isn't a lot of legal paperwork to do. He just calls to us. And we respond. He moves towards us so that we can move closer to him and he doesn't want people to be out there all alone he wants them to be in here and a part of his eternal family and that's why he said sent jesus did he not john three sixteen. So the whole world would know his love and the whole world would realize that while wow, you don't have to perish, you can have everlasting life. God's economy is an economy of grace and that is a very different economy than the rest of this created world. This, this human world yeah, the original sins impacted the world, but it's also impacted each of us. That is, it is a spiritual transaction. Look at Romans 8, 16. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. In that moment, I raised my hand. And like that, I, I knew God had adopted me. I knew God had a plan for me. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. But I knew that, that God was loving and gracious. And he wasn't just a, a thought up there. He was a reality in here. Wow. We were even created in his image for a reason. Yeah, we get lost. We go our own way, but we're, we're in a relationship with a God who chases after us, 
who seeks us, who calls to us. And I would suggest to you today that there is not a better God in the entire everything than our God. And He is worthy of our worship. He wants to continue to bless us so that we can bear fruit. And I I hope, as I said last week, as we move forward in restoring rhythms, that you would become a part of the fruit stand called SEC. Because you have good fruit. And God is enabling you to bear more and more fruit as you remain in Him and He in you. John, John 15. And together, we're an awesome family. Yeah, we're not perfect, but we're an awesome family. And God has plans not only for each one of us, but He has plans up ahead for all of us as His family. Let's pray together. Lord, we do kind of shake our head a little bit because the more and more we know about you and, and, and your goodness and greatness and kindness and mercy, your sovereignty, wow. You want to love us. You want to lead and guide us. You, you want us on your team. You have a plan for us, and you have a plan for us together. Lord, that you would give your life so that we could have life that just runs so counter to all the other things we learn about religion. We're thankful that worshiping you is not a religion, but it's a relationship, a relationship that you initiated with us. Thank you for doing that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 